All right. Well, today is, again, it's a tag team scripture talk is what we have called it. And I get this huge privilege to work beside some highly competent people. And uh, they are so easy to work with. Um, and they bring so much competency and passion to the ministry here at King Street Community Church. We just thought on this church family Christmas, it would be great to hear from as many of them as possible. And uh, some are not here today. My wife actually is unable to be here because Finley had a little surgery the other day. We thought he might make a uh, church family guest appearance today, but it wasn't going to be. So maybe stay tuned in January. You might see little Finley. Uh, would you like to see Finley on a Sunday morning? Yeah. All God's good creatures are welcome here. We thought we could have a bring your dog to church Sunday, but that might be a little wild. Wouldn't you think? <laughs> Cats, dogs, you name it. Birds flying around. Parrots. Yeah. It would be quite the memorable worship gathering, wouldn't it? Yeah. So um, character adventures is what we've been working through. If you were with us a couple Sundays ago, we talked about Herod's hate and the remedy of love. And then last week, Pastor Kristen helped us with um, Mary's waiting and the remedy of hope. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the shepherds. And there are this group, nameless people, who are invited to get a front row seat to the arrival of Messiah. And there are so many beautiful aspects to that story. And if the gospel is anything, it is a story. It's a story of hope. It's a story of peace, of love, of joy. And so uh, today, our pastors are going to do a tag team talk. And what I'm going to invite you to do is just hold your, because this church family is so affirming, uh, just hold your applause until the very end. Because we're going to have five coming and going, and uh, we don't want it to feel like it's a performance because we're just sharing and teaching God's word. But then maybe at the very end, if you feel inclined to affirm the pastors, that would be a wonderful thing. So um, Pastor Christian's going to come and get us started. Yes, I have the privilege of starting it off, if you haven't already heard me enough in the last week and a half. So uh, yes, it's a pleasure. And as we begin to journey through the story of the shepherds, we're going to start by looking right at the beginning of their story in Luke chapter 2. And before we do that, I want to just admonish you something. These verses, if you're anything like me, you can hear them often around this time of year. The moment I start, you're going to know exactly the next couple of sentences if you've been around church for at least a little while. And so I encourage you to pretend like you're hearing it for the first time, okay? Like this is like you're a four-year-old and you're just hearing the first time story of the shepherds. So it starts in Luke chapter 2. It will be on the screen for you starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Sound familiar? Keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Imagine what that moment would have been like. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I would probably be terrified too. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so oftentimes as we read through the Christmas story, specifically starting in Luke chapter 2, which is normally where we at least hear if you're watching a play or anything like that, there are so many details that go unnoticed. You know, we read through this small couple of sentences, and if you're anything like me, you kind of jump to the end to think, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Right, like that's where we're going. 
And yet, there are so many things outside of that stable moment near the end of the narrative, like these, as Pastor Dave already mentioned, these mundane group of men who are literally going through the motions. I don't think that they showed up, let's call it a Tuesday, to do their job and they think, tonight is going to be a huge night. I can just feel it. They thought, I'm just going through the motions, I'm just doing my job, I'm just going to go about my day. And yet in that moment, as we talked about last week, there was this glorious announcement that the waiting that these people had been having for hundreds of years was finally over. And so I have the privilege this morning of introducing the shepherds. And when they would have heard this story in the first century, when you would have read this as the early church, this would have reminded you right off the bat that God includes those who are on the other side of the tracks. And the reason that that is, is because the shepherds had this reputation for being bottom tier. I know that's unfortunate for them, but that's the way the culture was structured. That they were not at the top of a social ladder, that kings, priests, all of them were of high status. But the shepherds were of the lowest status. And actually, one scholar wrote that shepherding, as time went on, became a menial vacation for the laboring class. Who wants that title? And really what they're saying is it didn't take a lot of skill to be these guys. Now, I have personally never tried to wrangle a bunch of sheep. I don't think it's meaningless or not hard. But they had this reputation of it being menial, not necessarily requiring a lot of skill or work. And yet in the moment that Jesus chose, that God chose to send his son, that the moment that this announcement was chosen was for these guys, out doing the mundane day-to-day, and they decide, God decides to come and reveal himself tangibly to these men. And what it teaches us, and I don't know how you walked in this morning, I don't know your relationship intimately with God, is that God chooses the outcasts. He chooses the bottom tier, the people who would have normally heard this news last. And so again, if you walked in this morning and we've talked about invite your friends and you're thinking, I don't know if I should invite someone else because I don't actually know where I sit or I don't necessarily feel good enough or I'm still kind of on the outside of this faith thing. The beautiful thing that I get to introduce this morning is that God never says that that he always provides the option for you to be included no matter what. Isn't that good news for us this morning? And what is beautiful is that's not just for us, but that is for those around us. And yet, this morning, the story continues. So I'm going to pass it off. Yeah, so the story does continue. And as we go into Luke chapter 2, verse 13, we, we read this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We sang that this morning. So... Here's the scene. There's multitudes of angels, thousands and thousands, appear praising God, singing glory to God in the highest heaven. And, you know, glory, it has a lot of meanings. 
in the Bible. It can mean brilliance and splendor. Uh, just picture the scene, right? It's the nighttime sky, but then it's suddenly illuminated with angels just reflecting the bright light and the beautiful radiance of God, right? But glory, it can also have this con- connotation that has to do with authority. And the multitudes of angels, they could actually be announcing all authority to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on those whom his favor rests. So the angelic announcement is actually just saying the long-awaited ruler, this little child, God in the flesh, is the Messiah come as a baby. And this baby has all authority in heaven and on earth. Think about that. This little baby has this reign for all of mankind and has this reign. His jurisdiction is not just local. His jurisdiction is not even global. It's actually all the way up to the highest heavens and all of the created order. Everything that is known and unknown, this little baby has authority over it. You think about Jesus as he gets older, when he grows in his earthly body. He actually says this later on. He says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus basically affirms the announcement that was made at his birth. So the first advent is about recognizing the glory of God wrapped up in the God child, which brings peace to all those who would receive him. But it's not just about recognizing that that's the case, that we reflect the glory of Jesus. Or it's not just about recognizing, but it's also about we want to reflect the glory of Jesus. You see, we're actually called to reflect his glory, his authority, because when Jesus affirms his authority in in Matthew 28, he says, all authority has been given to me. But the next thing he says is he makes a challenge to you and to me. He says he gives us the great commission. He says, so therefore, you and I should go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, And he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he gives us a little promise. He says, and surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. So Jesus says, I have all this authority, but I want you to reflect it. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to make little disciples of Christ, right? We're supposed to make little, think of them as apprentices of the master teacher, Jesus. And baptize them in the travel name of God and teach everyone to to, uh, obey everything we've commanded. Think about this. The more of Jesus' authority, his glory that gets manifested in your circle, the more peace you're going to have. If you want more peace in your school, in your home, in your workplace, reflect Jesus' glory. Reflect his authority. Okay, so if you're like me, you'd be thinking, okay, what does that mean then? Right? Should, if we want to have authority in all these different spheres in, in our area, spheres of influence... Should all Christians, should we just work towards being like CEOs and, you know, administrators in the culture and, you know, influencers and change agents in every single industry? Maybe. Maybe some of us should do that. Uh, But maybe not. I'll tell you one thing with reflecting Jesus' authority. One thing that it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that we're going to try to scratch and claw and elbow to get to positions of influence to just exert our will on the culture doesn't mean that, right? We're not going to be like sneaky and calculating to get to people who have tons of influence around different areas. We're actually called to reflect the authority of the master teacher who came to wash his disciples' feet. That's how we're going to reflect his authority. Now think about that. 
Romans 8, it actually gives us a little glimpse of what Jesus' authority looks like and how we can actually do it. It says this. It says, Romans 8, Paul begins by saying, you know, the Spirit affirms that we're children of God. And he says, then he calls us heirs. That means if we're children of God, we're actually heirs of God. An heir is someone who receives an inheritance and continues the legacy. So we're an heir of God. But Paul says this. He says, if we're an heir of God, it actually makes us co-heirs with Christ Jesus. But then he adds this really tough part at the end. He says, we are co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Boy, that would be tough. That's tough. But Romans 8 says that part of sharing in Jesus' authority on earth as it is in heaven is actually going through some suffering. The people recognize this in the story. But Paul goes and he adds something else to this. He says, the next verse, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory or the authority that were revealed in us later. So in the second advent, before the second advent comes, we reflect Jesus' glory. We look forward to that second advent where all of the trouble that we're going through right now, your life is hard. My life has challenging moments. All of those things, your relationships, your workplaces, your bodies, everything, there's coming a second advent where Jesus will come back and all will be made right and our authority will bring peace on the earth. But that's not the end of this. Continue on in the scriptures with Luke. When the angels had left them, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Pastor Gary shared about a company of angels. That's a lot of angels. They left the shepherds alone and immediately they went into heaven. The shepherds now have a situation. So if we tend to read between the lines a little bit, they could turn to one another and say, what do we do now? They received an invitation to go and see. And they must have thought, who's going to look after the flock? Are we now going to abandon them? Why did the shepherds receive this invitation? Well, the shepherds are people who were looked down upon because they were a lower class of people. The shepherds never consulted with each other. Should we have a meeting about this? Should we consult a scribe? Should we seek direction from a priest? No. Instead, they turned to each other and said, let's Go to Bethlehem and see. How many of us in this room have had to make some tough choices and decisions? Should we relocate? Should I apply for that new position that's available? Should we go all out this Christmas and make this purchase? Have you ever wondered why God chose the shepherds to receive this invitation? There were others God could have chosen to announce the good news. He could have chosen 
and invited priests, teachers, craftsmen, leather workers, etc. But none of these people were chosen. None of them were to receive the invitation that was designed by our Creator. God chose this beautiful announcement to be made to a special group of individuals who were looked down upon by society. Because they were outcasts, they were smelly, they were dirty, and they are uncared for. Shepherds who were separated from society, maybe because of their language, their habits, their lifestyle, and they were repulsive to the rest of society. So the question could be asked, why did a host of angels bring to these shepherds the glad tidings that Jesus was about to be born? Well, let me share with you three things. Jesus was the foreshadow as the good shepherd is recorded in John 10. That I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. From the foundation of the world, Jesus' plan was to give his life for you and for me, just as shepherds would have for their sheep. The second reason shepherds were favored to receive this invitation may have been that they were coarse and unlearned and did not measure up to the scribes or the Pharisees, and the shepherds were shunned and avoided and rejected just as Jesus would be. And then the third reason that the shepherds were invited to go and see was that God wanted to reach out to the men that others had rejected. The shepherds were alone that dark night. They're watching over their sheep. This was called a group of people that the so-called righteous had rejected and shunned. Jesus came to earth as a babe to save sinners like the shepherds, sinners just like you and me. This invitation from the angels was given to the shepherds to go and see baby Jesus, the Savior of the world. Keep this in mind, that the shepherds were the first to receive the invitation. The shepherds were the first to arrive in Bethlehem. And the shepherds were the first visitors to lay their face upon the babe Jesus. So he hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And the story continues. Luke's narrative continues in verses 17 and 18. It says, When they had seen him or experienced Jesus, they spread the word concerning him, what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it, it says, were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. We're reminded of the message that they had heard from the angels. Do not be afraid, the angels said. I bring you good news of great joy that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. These verses remind us that Christmas is about going and telling. The Chosen uh, produced a Christmas special, and we went and watched it the other night, and as we were watching it, the story of the shepherds was depicted, and, and as we were watching it there, it was amazing to see the wonder and the excitement in the eyes and in the faces of the shepherds as the angels appeared to them, and then they went to see Mary and Joseph and the baby, and then left there, and 
began to tell others what they had seen and heard. But I couldn't help myself at doing parts of the story of getting a little bored. It was, I think, because of the familiarity of it. How many times have you and I heard the, the Christmas story told in many different ways, watched it in, in movies or depicted on screen, and, and the story is, the plot is there, and we know it so well that it becomes so familiar for us that we lose the excitement and the wonder of it. But these shepherds, these uh, persons who were the lowest in society, as we've heard about, were chosen to receive this message, and this would be the greatest story that they would ever have. In a culture where they would sit around fires and share stories of what had taken place and, and share some of the stories of the past and the history of Israel, this was their story. And I'm sure they told it over and over again to every person that they met. Maybe every night for the next number of nights as they sat around the fire, they would share the story of the angels appearing to them, of the message that they had heard, and how they continued to go and tell this message everywhere that they went. In the book of Acts, uh, we're reminded of the story of a persecution breaking out. And right after, it says that the followers of Jesus, everywhere they went, they told the story of Jesus to all who heard it. We're reminded of the woman at the well who, after being with Jesus, ran to her town and said to them, Come and see the man who told me everything about myself. And if you read John chapter 4, it impacted that whole community because of her excitement and wonder and passion of sharing the story of what Jesus had done and what they, she had seen and heard. So my question for you this morning is this. What is your story? Specifically, I mean, what is, what is your good news story about how God has interacted in your life? of the experience that you have had. And more specifically, I want to ask you this question. Do the people around you know your story? Have they heard you tell of the things that God has done in your life and the way that you have experienced him like you did the first time? One of the things that I regret was that my dad never told me his story of how he came to know Christ. It was only after he passed, I remember sitting with my mom one day and saying, how did, how did dad become a follower of Jesus? And she told me the story of how uh, he was, grew up in church and, 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 and took off when he was 15 years old because he couldn't get along with my grandpa. And how he ran from God and went his own way. But one day when my mom was home, my grandma and the pastor's wife went to visit her, shared Christ with her, and my mom made the decision. And when he came home from work. She said, you'll never guess what I did today. And she told my dad about how she made a decision to follow Jesus. And his response is, oh, no! Because he knew that his days were numbered. And it wasn't long before he made a decision to follow Jesus. And so my challenge for you this morning is this. 
What holds you back from sharing your story? Why not during this Christmas season or maybe uh, in 2024 that you make a decision that I'm going to share my story of my experience with God, of how I met him for the first time, of the things that he has done in my life. And know this, every time we share our story, God uses it to advance his kingdom. He uses it in remarkable ways to speak into the lives of the people around us who hear it because no one can argue with your story because it's your story. God wants to do great things in us, and he has more to do. Why would we not share it? And let God use that in the experience that we've had to share with others. But the story doesn't end there. Let's continue from verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were, they were just as they had been told. So there's two main ideas we can take from these two verses. First is that Christmas includes pondering, and the second one is that Christmas includes praising. For me, when I ponder something, it's not just something that goes through my mind quickly. I actually have to take the time and think about it and ponder on it. When I think about Mary in this situation, the first thing that comes to mind is she was probably pretty exhausted after giving birth. I personally haven't given birth, but I have heard that it is a long process. And on top of that, the shepherds were visiting her. So you could imagine that in this moment, Mary is probably overwhelmed. And she could have made it about herself or her own emotions. But instead, she decided to ponder. And she treasured all those things in her heart. And Mary's willingness to ponder did not replace her willingness to take action. In that moment, she pondered everything about what happened. She thought deeply about Jesus and what that meant for God's people. It motivated her to be obedient to God, and it allowed her to think of how good God has been to her. And I don't know about you, but I want to have the same determination as Mary, to think deeply and to contemplate the importance of the birth of Jesus how impactful and how powerful that is. And when we take a step back and we ponder, it allows us to reflect on the life-changing impact that Jesus' birth has for us and for this world. And then there's this part about praising. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. And it was just as like the angel had told them. See, the birth of a baby is an exciting thing. My sister actually is pregnant, and she's due in February, and we are very excited to become aunt and uncle, but I've been able to walk alongside of her and her husband and see her excitement for what's to come, and you know, getting the baby's room ready and all those exciting things. And I think about Mary and all the pressure she had to have God's only son, but she was also very excited, and so was Joseph. But on top of that, she had the comfort of knowing that the shepherds rejoiced with her as well, and the angels above as well. As Gary read today, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared and praised by saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And I believe we should do the same. So this Christmas season, let's not get caught up in the gifts or the family get-togethers or all the things that come with this time. 
But let's take the time to truly ponder the amazing truth of Jesus, the truth of Emmanuel, that God is with us. Let us be filled with wonder and praise for who God is and what, had, what God has given us. And the amazing thing about the shepherds and the angels, when they praised, they were doing that in response to what God has given them. And one of the best parts about this story is that we actually have the same good news that the shepherds had. We too should be compelled by the wonderful gift of a savior that the world will soon hopefully meet. So today, I know you got some great content today and challenges, but I wanna challenge you this and challenge myself this as well. Let's take some time to ponder. Ponder on the goodness of the birth of Jesus and what that means for us and for those around us. And let's also take some time to praise. I know this can be a difficult season for everyone and everyone's walking through different things, but we also have the amazing ability to praise Jesus for coming. So that's my challenge for you today. Let's ponder and let's praise. And the story is not over yet. That is so good. Thank you, Pastor Alicia, and thank you to all the pastors. Um, the story is sort of over because they're done. And I'm an adage to this conversation today, uh, but it continues. The storytelling continues. And uh, all of us, including our friends, family, neighborhoods, coworkers, we're all invited into this beautiful story, um, the story of God. And I always like to think of God as the circle, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he's opening up his circle to invite us in to a beautiful relationship with him. And, um, you know, I remember listening to somebody once, who I think they titled a sermon or a scripture talk called Acts 29, and there's no 29th chapter of the book of Acts. It ends at chapter 28, but the whole premise was that there is more to be told. There's more to be discovered, experienced. And this uh, Advent series, uh, Character Adventures, um, our adventure with God is intended to be just that, not predictable, like Pastor Al said, where we have an idea of how the story ends, God wins in the end, but there are a host of things that un are unfolding along the way. And those of you who've been around church a little while, you know that there's been lots of conversation points, especially the older we get, the closer we get to the end of all things, where Jesus comes back and makes all things new. And so there can be lots of speculation about how things are all going to wrap up at the end. And, you know, this idea of uh, prophecies fulfilled, and we kind of lean in, as Jesus teaches us to, to keep watch. But Scripture doesn't give us airtight specifics on what it will all look like. That's why there's a lot of speculation. And I wonder if that's intentional, so that we wouldn't kind of see everything, there it is, dot the I, cross the T, but we kind of lean in, listening, watching, following Jesus closely, expecting it to be an adventure, and, and telling our story, right? I, I don't know which pastor alluded to it, but this idea of um, storytelling, those who have a story to tell are never at the mercy of somebody with an argument. And uh, remember John chapter 9, once I was blind, but now I see? You guys can debate theologically till the cows come home. This is all I know. Once I couldn't see, now I can. And we all have a story of God's grace to tell those of us who've opened our lives to the transforming work of Jesus. And um, so well done, everybody. Well done. I thought you did an excellent job today, as always. <laughs>